Hey friends, welcome to episode six. Today on the show, you'll meet Ashley Hunter. She is a life coach who specializes in helping women whose spouses have betrayed them with pornography or some sort of sex addiction. On this episode, Ashley shares about her ex-husband and his pornography addiction. She has overcome and is now helping others who are going through the same thing she did. As you will hear, Ashley has some incredible advice for all women. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome. Do you ever feel busy, depressed, or overwhelmed? Then you have come to the right place. On this podcast, you will hear stories from all kinds of mamas that will uplift and inspire you and help you embrace your crazy life. After all, it takes a village to raise someone like me. Welcome to our village, the Mama's Living Happy Tribe. <laughs> Hi, Mamas. I'm so excited you're here today, and I am so excited for you here to hear from our guest today. This is my dear friend, Ashley. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited you're here. So I'm going to turn the time over to Ashley. She has an incredible story that all of you mamas out there are just going to love. And you're going to love Ashley by the end because as much as I love her. <laughs> oh, goodness. Now that's pressure right there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my name is Ashley. I am a divorced single mom of two kids, a terrible two-year-old who just destroys the house faster than I can Oh my gosh. Keep up with. Yep. And this incredible eight year old. Yeah, right. So my eight year old's very like detail oriented and everything has to be in its place. And my two year old is exactly opposite. (laughs) Kind of a headache. Um so I have been divorced. I just hit my one year mark and separated a little over two years. The day that we separated, the day that I knew, nope, this has to be different. I remember just um just taking a minute and going, okay, God, like if this is my path, this, this is where I'm supposed to be doing, then I need these things. Like I need to be able to support my kids and I need to have a place for them to live. And I need all of this. And if this is the path you want me on, I'll do it, but I can't do it alone. And I'm going to need these things. And so since that time, I feel like I just, I don't even, <laughs> I, I, I don't even make purposeful decisions so much as I go, Oh, okay, this is where we're going now. All right. And my life has kind of become this really beautiful opportunity. I run support groups for other women going through divorces that are caused by husbands with addiction. And I'm able to just kind of be in this same world that I've always been in, but in such a beautiful way. It's just, I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) That's, That's just what I, my whole life is this this world of overcoming these hard divorces and turning into this thriving life. I totally love that. Do you want to expound more on your story? Can I talk about what it felt like to be married to an addict? Yes, yes, please do. I don't want it to be about his behavior, but I want it to be about how alone I felt dealing with his behavior. Perfect. So we, my husband and I met when I was in college and we dated for six months and then got engaged and we were married three months after that. And I want to say like everyone talks about how hard the first year of marriage is and they'll talk about like, as soon as the honeymoon phases wears off, then life gets hard. Well, for me, the honeymoon ended while we were on the honeymoon. So from the get go, it was really, really hard. 
and I wasn't sure why, and I wasn't, wasn't sure what had switched, but suddenly things were hard. Things like rapid mood swings that I didn't know where they were coming from or what they were stemming from. We would have conversations and I would, I'd say, well, remember we talked about this and he wouldn't remember even having that conversation and he would completely deny that he had ever said anything. And um, sometimes there would be something that happened and I was pretty sure it was because of something that he had done, but he would come back and, and tell me all the reasons why it was my fault, but not in such a way that I'd be like, stop attacking me in these just nuances ways. So in um, my culture, it teaches a lot about marriage and how it lasts forever. And you don't just get divorced and you like any worthy young man and worthy young woman can make a marriage work if they're willing to try. It talks a lot about you can't change your spouse. You can only change yourself. And one that I often heard was when you're dating, keep your eyes wide open. And when you're married, you keep them half shut and pick your battles. And so I went through this first year of marriage going, well, things are hard, but I can't change him. I can only change me. He's saying that it's me. That's the problem. It's probably me. That's the problem. And so I, I want to say by three months in, I had a whole wall full of quotes that were about patience and were about charity and were about kindness and, and just all of these tools to help me not be so um, nitpicky or not be so controlling or to not be so all of these things that he was telling me that I was. And so I was trying really hard to work on me because if it's my fault that, that he's acting like this, then the only way to stop that behavior is to not cause it anymore. Yeah. So I, my first year of marriage was just hard and I hated every second of it. Um, and I was just trying really hard to change me and focus on me. That continued until about year three. And in year three, it had escalated to the point where he no longer was interested in meeting my friends or doing things with friends. It had been physically abusive only once <laughs> and not like a big, I didn't have a bruise or anything. But that had occurred. Um, we'd had a kid at this point, and his parenting was on and off. Sometimes he'd help, and sometimes he would get mad at me for asking for help. And it was just hard. And I remember reading an email from my aunt. She was talking about her husband who has bipolar disorder. And she was talking about how he's overwhelmed today, and so he needs to go take a minute. And I thought, you know what? Maybe she understands. So I reached out to her and she was amazing. <laughs> and she just listened and asked me questions and encouraged me and, and helped me remember that his behavior never has anything to do with me, which is not something I had ever believed for my whole marriage. And so it took a really long time. I would, I would email her and say, this just happened. And she would go, it's not your fault. It's never your fault. <laughs> no matter what he tells you, no matter what you did, like he's in charge of his emotions. You're not in charge of them you could slap him in the face and whether or not he gets angry is still his fault. Like he decides. And so if you're behaving in a way that you are comfortable with, you're not, you're not doing anything you need to apologize for. None of this is your fault. And just that thought of, okay, none of this is my fault. I don't need to, I don't need to own any of it. I don't need to apologize if I haven't done something that's wrong. Like I, it's not my fault. That became my mantra. Anytime something would happen, it's not my fault. This isn't, this isn't my fault. Um, and as we progressed, he started getting really jealous of like my time with my family. So he no longer 
was making connections with our friends. And then pretty soon he didn't want me to make connections with them or family either. And so I was getting more and more isolated and more and more alone because of how addiction, well, addiction and narcissism are closely related. So with addiction, the brain changes shape. It changes what it looks like. It changes what's functioning. He was addicted to pornography. A pornography addiction affects the brain the exact same way that a heroin addiction does. These addictions change behaviors and they make it to where the only thing that really matters is getting my next hit. And so whatever I have to do to get that hit. And then that shame kicks in where they go, oh, I'm doing something I probably shouldn't do, but it's their fault. It's not my fault. And that's how they get around the shame is they begin to believe these things, largely speaking. So I was at this point where his behavior was irrational. I just didn't understand what was happening. And it's because the chemicals and the changes that happen in your brain turn off your prefrontal cortex. They turn it off so that you can't make logical decisions. That, that decision-making ability is gone. It's just gone. And so um, I was beginning to feel more and more isolated and more and more alone. And he didn't want me interacting with other people because of all sorts of things, because life was hard. And his goal was to present like everything was okay because he couldn't let people know what was going on with him and where he was at. So life became a lot of, let's pretend like everything's all right. Let's present that everything's okay. It, it became largely a facade and it's just impossible to bond with a facade because there's nothing real there. So I didn't have any real friends. I didn't have anyone who knew what was going on and how I was feeling. And then I didn't have any idea why I was feeling this way other than I must be doing something wrong because I can only control me and I feel terrible. And he's telling me all of the reasons why it is me. And so, so what more can I do? One day, year seven, he, um, the truth about his addiction came out in a very public way. There was no way to deny it. There was no way for him to backtrack. There was no, I later learned that everything he'd been doing to me before was things called gaslighting, which is where the, um, I'm going to use the word abuse. That's kind of a trigger word sometimes for people, but where the abuser makes the other person feel like they're crazy and it's their fault and their truth isn't really there. And manipulation and crazy making is an actual term <laughs> where they make you feel crazy. So I later learned that that's what was going on. And when this um, pornography addiction came out and it was so public and it was impossible for him to deny it. It was impossible for him to gaslight me or crazy making so that I would think that something else was going on. That's when I finally went, oh my gosh, this is what's been happening the entire time. <laughs> that all of this behavior that I've been trying to convince myself isn't my fault, but really taking responsibility for it because I'm someone that will do what I feel like I need to do in order to make changes. Um, that's when it all like shifted into focus. It really isn't my fault. There really has been something going on. His brain really is different. It's never been the same since. Knowing that, I finally, I found a support group that I could go to where I found people that understood and they could tell me their stories and how they were feeling and it mirrored mine perfectly. And I just knew I'm not alone. I'm not actually isolated. I'm not actually the only one feeling this way. I'm not alone and, and I'm going to be okay. And then three years later, he had, he had um, given into his addiction so far again that there was really no other option. It was time to leave. But because I had had this support group, because I knew these people and I had been given these tools 
and I knew I wasn't alone anymore, it gave me a safe place to go when it was time to leave because I knew that I wasn't alone and it was going to be okay. Oh my gosh, Ashley, that is so beautiful. I am so glad that you were able to find that support group. So many women don't have that. Yeah. That's heartbreaking to me. Like I, I, I'm recently, well, it's been three years now, three years ago, I moved to where I live now and where I live now doesn't have any support groups. And the therapists that I've gone to have actually taught really damaging things. And about a year and a half ago, I walked out of a therapist's office and I went, there are all of these women in this town going to this person being taught actually damaging things. That's not helpful at all. And it just made me hurt for them. I just started crying and I had to do something. So I've started my own support groups and I'm now a life coach and I'm getting my counseling degree. And the whole goal is to just find women that think they are alone and help them know that they're not and teach them something that's not going to cause them damage. Like some therapists that don't understand accidentally do. I love that you're doing that and you're going to be amazing at it. I, I'm going to do it and I'm going, I think I'm going to really find peace in it. I already do with what I'm doing, but if anything amazing happens, it's just because Heavenly Father wants people to be okay. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm amazing at it, but I think that when um, Heavenly Father puts us in each other's lives, amazing things happen. I totally agree. And that's everything that my website and podcast and Facebook group have to do with is just that togetherness and, and knowing that we're not alone out here. Yeah. Yeah. That's essential. Cause my alone. heart breaks when you were talking about being so alone. I mean, you lived up the street from me and you were feeling that alone. Yeah. Yeah. When I lived up the street for you, we were very much in the let's pretend like everything's okay mode. And so, um, nobody knew. How can we help others who might be going through something similar to this? Um, with love. I think sometimes our knee-jerk reaction, especially when we see people in mentally, emotionally, physically abusive relationships, is to go up to them and tell them, I know what to do with your life. You have to leave this relationship, which is just going to make someone feel even more isolated. So I think the best way to help someone is to just love them. Like I think about my aunt and what she would do is just hear my stories and ask questions. So I would tell her something and she would say, did you feel safe while that was happening? And I would either say yes or no. And if it was a no, that would lead to more questions. And if it was a yes, she would move on, but she would just ask questions. There was no judgment. There was no, let me tell you what to do with your life. Just letting me feel heard helped so much because I knew there was at least someone who would listen when I needed something. Do you have any advice that you would give to moms that you want to maybe uplift them or share with them or inspire them? What I've learned over the last few years is how vital it is for me to really understand that I am a daughter of God, that I am a woman in his kingdom. And this idea, like I've got my own children and to think about how I parent them has really helped me to understand the nature of God and how he must feel about me. And it blows my mind that there's this higher power that has created everything that cares two cents about what I'm doing in my life. But I've realized that as I've accepted that and gone, no, 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 like I'm never going to just 
send my child out to fail on purpose. Quite often, I allow my child to fail because I know that when she falls off of that thing, she's going to climb back up and she'll know what she's doing. And so when I think about Heavenly Father and how he must feel about us and how sometimes things fall, sometimes they don't work out, but it's not like he's gone far away. He's my dad and he cares about me more than I can care about my children. That for me, I have found empowering and peaceful that that I have, that he's a heavenly father. He's not just, he's not just some guy that accidentally created the universe. Like he knows me and he loves me. And he's is gonna, he's going to make sure that I'm okay. He does love you. And he loves every single one of the mamas that are out there listening to this. And I am so grateful to know that he loves me. He helps me out. And I'm trying to do what you're doing, Ashley, and trying to, to understand what Heavenly Father wants of me every single moment of the day. I love that you do that. I feel like it relieves a lot of pressure when I remember that I'm not in control. It's hard. I like to get things done. But when I'm not in control and I just need to do what I'm told to do, it's I'm going to be happier. And I didn't have to figure out what that was. <laughs> okay, you take it. You just tell me. I will soak in the happiness and just do what I'm told. And I will do it to the best of my abilities. And, and you'll take it for what it is, whether it's as good as I hoped or whether it's just my meager little widow's might. Like it's, I just love that he's right there. Okay, well, is there anything else that you want to share with the other mamas out there? Your, I recently heard this. Your worth does not depend on other people's ability to see it. Well, how I have adjusted that in my mind as my daughter was coloring her arm green this morning is my worth does not depend on my kid's ability to maintain, um, to maintain something that's not chaotic. That my worth does not change just because it's chaos. It just means I'm in this weird season of life that's a little bit chaotic. <laughs> Well, I think that's about it. Unless there's anything else you have that you want to share. If you are dealing with betrayal trauma, which is just all of those feelings that come from a spouse whose behavior is not something that you signed up for and you're not sure what to do, I would love to help. I know what it feels like to be betrayed and I know what it feels like to not feel like there's anyone who understands. So you can find me, my life coaching, you can find me there. Oh my goodness. You can find my life coaching at chooserecoveryservices.com or there's this incredible, incredible support group company called healingwithworth.org. And they specialize specifically in helping women whose spouses have betrayed them with some sort of pornography, sex type of addiction. So go there know that you aren't alone. Well, thank you so, so, so much, Ashley. I really, really, really appreciate you being on here and sharing your amazing, amazing story with all of my listeners. Thanks for having me. I really, I feel honored that you would bring me on here. And I hope that there was at least one person who knows that they aren't alone. Hey, mamas, thanks so much for listening in today. If you are going through betrayal trauma, Ashley would love to help. You can also find her at coachingwithashley.wordpress.com. And Ashley spells her name A-S-H-L-Y. Just a couple final reminders from our cute guest Ashley today. First of all, the best way to help somebody in a relationship like she had is through love. Don't judge. 
Don't tell her what to do with her life. Just listen and let her feel heard. Because, as Ashley said, when Heavenly Father puts us in each other's lives, amazing things can happen. Second, you are a daughter of God. He knows each one of us and loves us. Yes, you. He cares about what happens in your life. Even if you're going through a tough time, he really isn't very far away. Third, your worth does not depend on other people's ability to see it. I am so grateful that Ashley was here today and that she could share the stories with us. You know, maybe someone came to mind during this episode. Maybe there's someone that you need to share this story with, that she might really need to hear it. So go ahead and share this episode with her. Lastly, peace is possible and hope is out there. You are not alone. Mama, you got this. Have a great day.